Luke 2, 8 to 16. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went, went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. It was only five months into World War I when the hostilities and the fighting would cease, at least for the time being. As the Christmas of 1914 approached, over 100,000 British, French, and German soldiers voluntarily put down their weapons and greeted each other in the no-man's land between the two fronts, a temporary an unofficial peace treaty. British Captain Robert Miles remembers it this way in a letter he wrote. We are having the most extraordinary Christmas day imaginable, a sort of unarranged and quite unauthorized but perfectly understood and scrupulously observed truce exists between us and our friends in front. The thing started last night, a bitter cold night with white frost, Soon after dusk, when the Germans started shouting, Merry Christmas, Englishmen, to us. Of course, our fellows shouted back, and presently, large numbers of both sides had left their trenches unarmed and met in the debatable, shot-ridden, no-man's-land between the lines. Here, the agreement, all on their own, came to be made that we should not fire at each other until after midnight tonight. The men were all fraternizing in the middle, and not a shot was fired all night. Other stories would recount how the two sides would exchange souvenirs, such as buttons and even food. To this day, the unofficial halt in fighting is known as the Christmas truce. Truce, a temporary respite, as from trouble or pain. And truces bring much-needed reprieves, calm in the middle of the storm. Like opening a pressure relief valve, or letting out a deep sigh or an exhale. In this passage, we have a break in hostilities too. Mankind has been warring with God since he first fell into sin in the Garden of Eden. Of course, we understand, as we read earlier, sin to be defiance and rebellions rebellion rather towards God, the things that we think and say and do 
that are in direct opposition to all he is in his holy character. This sin brings struggle and strife with God that ultimately ends in death, separation from God and all of his goodness. And sin also brings hurt and devastation to the world and to our relationships. But now God, through his messenger, an angel, approaches man in the no man's land between heaven and earth. This is an interaction between two sides that are in conflict, the spiritual and the physical, the seen and the unseen. But unlike the Christmas truce, this is a one-sided exchange. Mankind, represented in the shepherds, has nothing to offer God's messengers. No souvenirs, no trinkets, no food. In fact, mankind has nothing to even say to God. But God's messenger has something to say to man. God has an announcement, a proclamation. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Four important truths, four key messages in this announcement. First, fear not. The shepherds would have had plenty of justification to be afraid. Seeing an angel in and of itself would have been a harrowing experience. Compact, or compound that rather with the glory of the Lord shining around them, not to mention a self-awareness of your own sin. And yet the command is to fear not. Do not be afraid. Quite the statement. Next, the angel says, I bring you good news of great joy. The shepherds would have been used to hearing of the good news of Rome, the Pax Romana as we would know it today, the Golden Age, 200 years of self-described peace and order, prosperous stability, even expansion, that began, began with Caesar Augustus' rise to the throne, peace and order that merged with religion and government. But of course, history tells us that this Golden Age was obscured, obscured and polluted by wars, subjugations, oppression, and eventually even persecution. Sin. Sin had polluted the good news of Rome as sin pollutes everything. And now this messenger angel opens the book on the good news of Jesus Christ, a counter-gospel. A gospel mankind would be able to depend upon and trust because it originates with God himself. Which brings us to our third key message. This announcement will be for all the people. The prophet Isaiah would write that the subject of this announcement would be a light for the nations, for everyone. The apostle Paul would later write that this good news is for everyone who believes, and that with God there is no distinction. The good news is available to any and all without exception, regardless of ethnicity, class, intellect, status, sex, 
or any other label we may use. This gospel is for all the people. And finally, the pinnacle of this announcement. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is the good news. This is the source of great joy for all the people. A Savior has been born, Christ the Lord. And there's a lot in that statement. First, the fact that God provides a Savior communicates that we need a Savior. Someone to deliver us. Someone to deliver us both from the consequences and the penalty of sin. The consequences, hurt and oppression. The penalty, death, as we've noted. Second, this Savior is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, Scripture spoke of, who would fulfill all of God's promises. This Savior is the Lord, Jesus the Christ. God coming to live as a man and live among men. Jesus the man, born of Mary, as scripture says. Jesus, the son of God. God himself, the very word of God, who became flesh and dwelt among us, as John would write. Not only that, Jesus, the sinless son of God, the only one qualified to pay for sin. As Peter wrote, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. The only one qualified to atone for the sins of men. And he paid the penalty for sin once and for all by offering himself as the sacrifice, dying by crucifixion for the sins of the world. Colossians says, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, making peace by the blood of his cross. And this is the peace the angel spoke of when, joined with the greatest military company of all time, he said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because of our Savior, Christ the Lord, because he gave himself up as an offering for sin, Peace with God is available to us. This good news far, far exceeds the short-lived reprieve of a pause in conflict, a temporary ceasefire. This goes beyond being a truce. This is a peace treaty. A peace treaty between a righteous and holy God and his rebellious creation. A permanent state of mutual harmony is available. Freedom from struggle. Freedom from sin. The realization of eternal order and security. Not negotiated by two parties, but declared by God. Not a two-sided accomplishment. We indeed have nothing to offer, nothing to say, but rather a single-sided accomplishment, the Lord Jesus enduring the cross on our behalf. 
But as we close, notice one thing. Notice who receives this peace with God. Verse 14, on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Scripture teaches that when we repent of our sins, they are forgiven and removed as far as the east is from the west. When we trust, when we believe that Jesus did in fact pay the penalty for our sins, we are declared righteous because of our faith. And this faith brings peace with God. Romans says, since we have been declared righteous, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not a truce, not temporary relief, everlasting peace and everlasting life with him. Just as he rose from the dead to new, better, and everlasting life, so will we when he comes again. Never to struggle or war with sin, never to succumb to eternal death, but rather to live righteously and to thrive as he originally intended and created us to do. The Christmas truce of 1914 was nice while it lasted. It allowed the troops to experience a moment of peace, reprieve, a much-needed respite in the middle of violence. But the fighting would resume at midnight. There continued to be conflict and hostility, death, if you remain in your sin as an enemy of God, Christmas can be no more than a truce for you. Momentary relief, a taste of peace. Perhaps you already knew that to be true. You are aware of your sin, aware of your tension and strife with God, at Christmas, you exchange gifts. You may even offer pleasantries to God, sing him a carol or two, read the Christmas story. The hostilities will resume. You are still in your sin and at war with God. Be reconciled to God today. Receive his gift in faith. Receive his son in faith Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, gave his life so that you may have peace with him forever, so that you may have eternal life. Put down your weapons for good. Enter the peace treaty he offers you. Repent of your sins and receive the Lord Jesus by faith. The invitation is for you. For us who have entered this peace, Scripture tells us we have been brought near to God by the blood of Christ, and that we have access to God because of his Son. We don't approach him in the no-man's land with nothing to offer. We approach him, in fact, we are invited into his very presence, into his throne room. There we present to him meager as they are, our offerings, our prayers of thanksgiving and our prayers of gratitude, our service empowered by the Holy Spirit. We offer him our attention. We hear and respond to the words he has given us. We offer love 
to others, the loving kindness he has shown us, we express to others along with messages of hope and deliverance. We offer him our worship, our songs sung in gladness and awe as we are doing this morning. And we join the angels and we sing glory to God in the highest. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, thank you for this peace treaty that you offer us, that you make available to us, and that you did all the work to accomplish. We thank you for your great gift, and Lord, we can't fully understand it, but we worship you and we praise you for your goodness to us, and that we can be brought near because of the work of Christ. And so we pray these things in his name. Amen.